1: Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us at milehighsports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Aaron Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, big giveaway going on this weekend up in Blackhawk at Sasquatch and Wildcard Casinos. We have been talking about this for a month, and this weekend is the weekend. They're giving away nearly $18,000 in cash or up to thirty thousand dollars towards the lease or a purchase of an applicable vehicle from Omera Ford. Get on up there for the grand prize drawings this weekend. You can get finalist entries every half hour from 10 a.m. until midnight during their daily cash drawings or by redeeming players' points. And don't forget when you go to Sasquatch, they have a sports book, really loose slots, and you're gonna love their six ninety-five full plated prime rib dinner. Mace, how are you?
2: Doing all right. How are you?
1: I'm great. A lot of phone calls today. Remember that conversation we had yesterday about how responsible is uh, Brian Dayball for the development of Josh Allen? Yes. Had a long conversation about that with somebody in the Bills organization today. I don't necessarily think we should bring it up now because we need to talk about the Broncos interviews today with Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore. But somehow, someway, we need to find a way to weave that in there. Does that sound good?
2: All right. What did you find out?
1: No, let's weave it in later. Somewhere in the show, let's get to Quinn and Moore right now because that's the news of the day. At the end of the day, I don't think Broncos fans truly care that much about how responsible was Brian Dayball for the development of Josh Allen. I think people really care more about is Dan Quinn or Kellen Moore going to be the head coach? With that, time now for the lead.
0: The lead, presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk.
1: Okay, so interviews today. Kellen Moore is done. Dan Quinn is later tonight. And from what I've been told, Mace, it's at a uh, Dallas restaurant. I don't know if they have Elway's down there, maybe Longhorn. But we'd assume it's a
2: steakhouse because it's an NFL interview. And almost all NFL interviews and meetings that involve restaurants take place at steakhouses. It's the gear they know.
1: (laughs) What do you think FanDuel has as the odds of Dan Quinn ordering a hamburger?
2: Uh, I'd say probably about uh, 50 to 1. Dan Quinn strikes me as somebody who would go to a steakhouse and order a steak.
1: There we go. So before <laughs> the interviews today, and Quinn is getting ready to be interviewed, I'm sure he's putting on his tie and his jacket and getting ready to go to whatever steakhouse they're going to. Uh, ESPN's Jeff Saturday, who is Peyton Manning's center, of course, and multiple all-pro and pro bowler, he talked about how Dallas is really going to miss Quinn if he takes a head coaching job with either the Broncos or somebody else. I got to know him a little bit in Atlanta. This guy brings a locker room together like few can in the NFL and it's not just losing him as a defense coordinator. It's that it's that bond that he brings with him, the energy, how guys want to play for him. These guys will put their head through a wall for him. That type of thing that walks out of your building is very difficult to replace. I think that would be the most concerning for the Jones that not only he leaves with the defensive strategy, but it's that it's that extra. You know when people talk about the it factor, he has the it factor in the locker. Okay. The one reason why I really like doing the show with you is because while I think we complement each other, we bring different things to the table. We have different interests. You are a football guy far more than I am, Mace. You like the X's and O's. You like to evaluate. That is something that you really enjoy. Is that fair to say? Fair to say. That's not what I really enjoy. What I really enjoy is gathering information When it comes to things like this, I have talked to at least five people who either know Dan Quinn, familiar with Dan Quinn, cover Dan Quinn. But before I start, what have you learned about Dan Quinn from the article that you wrote on DNVR and other other sources you have?
2: Incredible manager of people. As far as somebody who doesn't take a one-size-fits-all approach to player management, man management. Knows how to shift gears relative to what the player needs, and has a pretty clear big-picture vision over where he wants the team to go, and both on the field and in terms of and off the field as well.
1: Any drawbacks? You threw out a lot of positives
2: drawbacks he's not the he hasn't been the greatest game manager over the years in in and I'm talking about in-game management I'm not, not to the degree where we've kind of been frustrated with it with a Vic Fangio Vance Joseph level, but there are lapses. another critique that I've heard is that he tends to sometimes trust people too much and doesn't kind of take take back the, the reins fast enough when, it might be something required, or rain something in. Like for example, um, in Super in Super Bowl Fifty One, a simple reminder to Kyle Shanahan of the game situation down the stretch. And hey, we only need we only need three here, not seven. We're not behind. We're in field goal range, and three wins it for us. Would have would have been something that might have prevented that final outcome.
1: Mace, if I had to write a script on what I would say about Dan Quinn, the positives and the negatives, if I wrote that down, you would have just read that directly off the paper that I wrote it on. Wow. That's exactly what I have been told. As far as the game management goes, actually, I'll start with the positive. Jeff Saturday said it well. You said it well. Guys will run through a wall for him. Mm-hmm. He will maximize the talent in that room. He is as likable as you can get. I've been told as well, in some ways, he may not necessarily have the it factor. Like Kyle Shanahan has a little bit of ass to him. Not an unfair statement. So does Mike. So does Bill Belichick. So did Bill Cower. So does Mike Tomlin. That's not the way Dan Quinn is really wired. He's a really likable guy. But he, he, wants a harmo- have... yeah,
2: he wants a harmonious locker room.
1: Right. Exactly. But he doesn't necessarily have that ass feature in him. But he is loved. And he really gets the most out of his talent. Make no mistake about that. As far as... Being a game manager, it was told to me by somebody who covered the team through his whole tenure, who watched every game because I didn't. He said to me that 28 to 3 comeback was a microcosm of Dan Quinn as a game manager.
2: Yep. They blew a lot of leads. That, that, they they over the did, years, they did. Right.
1: As as he said to me, it it came as a surprise because it was historic. But no one was truly blown away that, wow, this really happened on Dan Quinn's watch. What he said to me was, you're going to get timeouts because there are 12 guys on the field. Yep. You're going to get timeouts because guys are in the wrong formations.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep,
1: That is Vic Fangio-ish. That is Vance Joseph-ish. And it may not be to that level, but if Dan Quinn gets the job and he hasn't learned from that and those mistakes keep happening... That's what Twitter's gonna say if the Broncos don't win football games,
2: and you hope now, that he's learned from it that's and that's the thing there are very few coaches who, in their second head coaching job did every did everything the exact same as they did the first time, like for example um and kind of a very successful retread was Tom Coughlin. One of the things he did was pardon the expression, but he kind he reined in a little bit of that ass that he could be from time to time. That he 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 didn't go to fifth gear as often with the Giants as he did with the Jaguars. And you can argue he got better results, especially in the postseason, because of that. So I wonder if for Dan Quinn, he's certainly going to be asked about this tonight when he talks with Broncos brass. Does he bring in somebody who's in charge of game management that might make all the difference in the world in games for Dan Quinn.
1: Sure. I'll give you something else that I like about Dan Quinn and it is totally out of the box thinking totally out of the box thinking, but he's the guy who did it. And I don't know how many head coaches have ever done this with any of their assistant coaches. Raheem Morris Spent a lot of years, five, six years with Dan Quinn. Hired in 2015, and then he left the Falcons in 2020, around the same time, obviously, as Dan Quinn.
2: He actually replaced him as in, he was interim head coach in 2020. Replaced okay. Quinn the rest for the back half of that season.
1: If you remember, Raheem Morris was a candidate for the Broncos head coaching job. 2009, right? When they hired McDaniels. Yep. Okay. So with that, he's been a defensive guy. His whole career, Hofstra, defensive backs, coach Tampa Bay, defensive assistant, defensive backs, coach, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, defensive backs, coach, head coach, Washington, defensive backs, coach. Fair to say this is defensive guy, right? Absolutely. He even go- even he,
2: Kansas state. He,
1: yeah. And he goes to Atlanta. You know, Dan Quinn says, I want eyes on the other side of the ball. So you're going to be the pass game coordinator. You're going to be the wide receivers coach. That's what I want you doing. I want you on the other side of the ball to give me another look. That is brilliant. And oh, by the way, Raheem Morris is going to be interviewing for the Vikings head coaching job. Now Raheem Morris on his resume is not only a head coach, but is coached on both sides of the ball.
2: And you know what? That experience for Raheem Morris is frankly one of the reasons why I had hoped he would be on the Broncos list. Of coaches, I don't to think talk he's
1: him. well. Um, I think that if he doesn't get the head coaching job with the Vikings, I'm sure Dan Quinn would love to bring him in as his defensive coordinator.
2: Yeah, the Rams would now. The thing is, it'd be a lateral move from the Rams.
1: So well, the, you make him to assi- you make him an assistant head coach. And I have been told yeah. that I've been told that Raheem Morris and McVeigh aren't necessarily on the same page.
2: Yeah, the, and look, if you could do that, if you could get. If Dan Quinn brought with him a staff of, say, Raheem Morris as defensive coordinator and Mike McDaniel as offensive coordinator, this would be, I think, the best of all worlds in terms of this collective 10-person search in terms of being able to have a bright mind on the offensive side. A very a very intelligent still rising coach on the defensive side. And then someone in Dan Quinn to kind of over oversee the whole thing. That would be about as close to a dream scenario. I think in terms of quality coaches as you could get, if you had a Quinn McDaniel and Morris collective running this team.
1: One more thing, cause we've got to hit a break. So Quinn is still going to interview with the dolphins, the bears and the Vikings. You think George Payton's hand is going to be forced to make a decision because Quinn might want to make a decision. And George has, has said, I want to interview 10 guys.
2: Uh, well, I, I don't think so because I, that's where I think the relationship between Payton and Quinn is, is going to help out. The other thing is I really don't think that Quinn is the favorite in any of those other spots. I, I, for example, I don't think he's the favorite in Chicago.
1: No,
2: he's not. It's going I think Brian Dayball is. No I, question. I don't think he's the favorite in Miami. I believe Vance, our, Farm Broncos coach Vance Joseph, right now would be considered and the it, leader in the clubhouse.
1: And Eric Bienni.
2: Yeah. So I, th- I. I don't. I don't think you worry about that. And the other thing is also for Rooney. For you know, for purposes of the Rooney Rule, the Broncos have to go on with the process. They have not satisfied the terms of the Rooney Rule yet.
1: Right. All right. Coming up after the break. Writer Sam Quinn from CBS Sports did mid-season grades for every NBA team. What did he give the nuggets? Well, I gotta tell you, when I read his explanation, it made perfect sense to me. That's next. <laughs> Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MyAllySports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. This is coming from our friend Mike Kliss. Uh, The interview with Kellen Moore, the Cowboys offensive coordinator, lasted three and a half hours. Mace, that's what this has come to. We are giving you breaking news (laughs) on the number of minutes that the Broncos brass and George Payton have actually spent with a candidate three and a half hours. I hope our listeners and our viewers are taking in this information, knowing we are giving you everything that we can.
2: Well, the other thing is also the Dan Quinn interview is, uh, you know, happening during the dinner hours. And according to one report, they're at a, a private room at a restaurant in the Dallas Fort worth area. Right. So what does Dan Quinn order? That I that is the question here. I mean, does it does again? Does Dan Quinn go for the steak or does he go for the Vic Fangio hamburger? By the way, who leaked
1: that that Fangio had a hamburger?
2: Oh, I, I think it might have been Mike close who put that out there.
1: I got to tell you something. He didn't do Vic any favors by saying that he had a hamburger because when I suppose when you look back, you can make the case he's a hamburger type of guy with the way. He ran this team.
2: Well, I think it, it it the it just depends how it's perceived. The the thought maybe is that oh you know I mean hey he's he uh, he doesn't put on airs guys. he's yep. not fancy one of the one of the guys but uh, the thing is you can be not you, you can you don't have to be fancy to appreciate a, a good meal. Now I mean that being said if you put me at a steakhouse yep. and gave me the options usually one thing you see at really fine steakhouses is, is some exceptional like an exceptional. Seafood Seafood, dish, like, you know, like a sea bass or a a seared ahi. And that's generally what I would go for.
1: Right. Like when I go to McDonald's, I always get the filet fish. (laughs) Time now for the buzz.
0: The Buzz is presented by Eric Cook at Farmers Insurance. The Cook Insurance Group, focused on people, not policies. Call today at
1: 303-790-8089. That's 303-790-8089. CBSSports.com did a mid-season grade for every team. The writer, a guy by the name of Sam Quinn, gave the Nuggets a grade of a C. This is what he wrote. We should really split this blurb into two sections. The Denver Nuggets, excluding Nikola Jokic, deserves an F. Jokic deserves an A. But Jokic is part of the Nuggets, so sure, let's average the two together for a respectable C. Were it not for the reigning MVP, Denver might actually be the worst team in the NBA. That's hardly even conjecture. The Nuggets have played 812 minutes with Jokic off the floor this season, and they've lost those minutes By 204 points, Hmm. only four NBA teams have been worse than that across the entire season. The Nuggets can hardly be blamed for that, considering the injuries they've endured and the front office continued its hot streak by finding a mid draft keeper in Bones Highland. But the majority of the roster has failed to offer Jokic even cursory support. The Nuggets might have the best player in the NBA and they'll re-enter the championship conversation the moment his two best teammates are healthy, talking about Murray and MPJ. But for now, this decimated roster has done little to lift Nikola Jokic. I'll start by saying I agree with every single word in that analysis, including where he put his punctuation and the prepositions that he used
2: nice complete agreement that's tot- That you know what i agree too i absolutely agree agree with this without without him they are a they are a dumpster fire with, by the way if you took the the point differential when he's off the floor and and basically they're about 0.25 points per minus 0.25 points per minute with him off the floor so they're literally minus one point every four every four minutes so if they played the entire season without him per 48 minutes that's minus 12 every 48 minutes and that would be and and that would send you toward being an all-time bad team right but but there but again i mean it's it's injury it's injuries that have caused this I mean, we can question whether Michael Porter Jr. should have gotten the the max contract going forward. That's a, and as that kicks in, that's a debate for overall team construction. But for now, at this moment, there w- it wasn't. A, it's not a matter of poor team construction. It's poor injuring luck. That's what it is.
1: Right. I mean, let's let's really be honest here. Okay, uh, you want to use Golden State. As our example. Sure. Okay. Go for it. So just for fun, how good would Golden State be if you took off their three leading scores? Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins, and Jordan Poole. They'd be scraping
2: scraping the bottom. One of the worst teams in sport.
1: Now, Clay Thompson is back. Right. So, you know, you, you can make that argument. But let's use Phoenix as a better example. How good would the Phoenix Suns be if they did not have Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and Chris Paul?
2: They'd be back to losing sixty games a year again.
1: So, yeah, you take you you <laughs> take Jokic off that roster without Jamal Murray. And and but here's the thing, though, mm-hmm. if we're being completely honest, Booker, Ayton, and Paul. Yeah, I'm taking Jokic over any of those guys.
2: Yeah, espe- yeah, especially Paul right now because we're I mean still. Unquestionably, unquestionably one of the great leaders in this or any sport, but you can see time is catching up with him right, and starting to affect his production.
1: Now, so, so who would you say the best player is on the, on the Suns? Devin Booker?
2: Devin, easily Devin Booker.
1: Okay. Who's Not the Melvin second?
2: Booker, Devin right. Booker.
1: There you go. <laughs> right. Who's the second best player, DeAndre Ayton or Chris Paul?
2: Uh, because I'm still going to count leadership and locker room uh, value, I'm saying okay. Chris Paul. But uh, I think a year from now we're seeing total picture. It's DeAndre Ayton. He's clo- oh. he's closing fast. He's, and and Ayton's a double double guy.
1: So with that, so I'm I'm taking Jokic over Booker. Let's say Chris Paul's the second best player right now. Are you taking Paul or Jamal Murray? I'm, who's more important I'm, to their team?
2: I'm taking I'm taking Jamal Murray.
1: He's more important than Chris Paul.
2: Okay, okay, no, okay, important. All right. Murray's a better player. Paul's more important because of leadership.
1: There you go. Okay. So with that, so with that, I'm giving the nod to Chris Paul, right? Yeah. And then you throw in DeAndre Ayton, and there's no comparison between MPJ and DeAndre Ayton. I'll, None. I'll take it. Yeah. Eight, there eight, we all go. All day every day. Right. So Jokic is the best of the bunch. Easily. But when you take but when you take the second best, most important guy it's. I, I wouldn't put Murray. Murray has still hasn't even made an All Star team. I mean, so come on, let's get off the Murray train. I love Murray. He was great in the bubble. He has he has tons of potential. I like his attitude, but he still hasn't honestly broken out yet, has he? Not for a full season. Has he?
2: I mean, it depends how you de- like like define what what he did what he did last year. I mean, last year, you know. I mean, that, that, that's some people would would describe a season in which a player averaged 21, point, 21 points a game as, as breaking out. Now, you sure. and I have discussed the consistency issues that Jamal Murray had, and one of the real unfortunate things about Murray, the timing of Murray's injury is that he had started to find that consistency for about a month and a half before he tore his ACL.
1: I'm with you on that. Yeah. But but you gotta you gotta play a season. Yeah, you you got you gotta play a season. But I think we you all he's capable. You know he's what?
2: definitely capable of it. I think once he gets back and gets and especially as we get into next year, he gets he gets his, he gets his strength back under him on that leg. I think it's fair to expect him to be to to be that kind of player next year.
1: Listen, you would certainly hope so. You would certainly hope so. Last year, twenty one points a game. Not a great defensive player. He's okay. Four rebounds and five assists. That's 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 very good. It's not all-star level. But if you take all so when you look at what he did in the bubble and what he did in the first half of last year, mm-hmm. you know what that is to me? The first half of the season for Abaldo Jimenez. When he had that great all-star season, right? Yes. And then what happened after? that that's the equivalent of the greatness of Jamal Murray. When you take all of his great stuff and he put it together, it was one great half season. You got to give me a full season of Baldo to make me think that you are an all-star consistently. And Murray's not there yet. I hope he gets there. I think he has the tools. I think he has the attitude. But as far as what they said on CBS sports, um, I don't see how you could possibly argue with that assessment. And I really don't put a lot on, on Tim Conley, honestly, when you're when you don't have two max players in the lineup i mean what the hell are you supposed to do
2: right it's it's duct tape and bailing wire and that's i mean that's why a c is a fair grade here i mean again it's not a i don't think this is a failure of team construction i think it's a it's a it's a failure of luck simple simple as that and i know people kind of want to there are some precincts of this town that want to put a lot of this on Michael Malone, and maybe maybe Malone needs to, you know, kind of soften his approach just a little bit. But I think the I think the fact that the Nuggets are still in pretty decent playoff position here, I think we can agree on that. They're in, they're in decent playoff position. They look like they're on track to stay out of the fourteen playoff or play in playoff there at the end, and realistically, that was the best you could hope for for one tent pole carrying the team on his own.
1: We knew Murray was going to be out for the majority of this season, right? Yes. What was your starting backcourt really going to look like with Murray out? A rookie in Bones Highland, Monte Morris, PJ Dozier, Will Barton, Austin Rivers. That's really not putting the fear in Anyone, compaso come on, who are we really getting here?
2: Come, right, Faku a nice story. He's no a doubt. nice and he's, he's a, a good nice depth story. piece. But he, but you're not. He's not somebody that you're supposed to be playing for for more than 14 minutes a night.
1: That's right. Okay. Aaron Gordon, I like what he brings to the party. But is, is Jeff Green and Jamichael uh, Green are, are they going to strike fear in anyone? No. Right. I
2: mean, I, I Jeff, Jeff Green. Honestly, it, it, when he came aboard, it was sort. You know, you're, ha- you're happy. He's. He. You're happy. He's. He's out there. But when he first came aboard, it was like, oh man, he's still in the league. Right. That was my. That was my first reaction. Like, wow, Jeff. Jeff, right. the, Jeff Green's been in the league like 15 years. Like, holy right. cow, he's lasted a long time. Good right. for him.
1: All right. <laughs> All right, coming up. Coming up after the break, I'm guessing. Um, Dan Quinn is on his way to a restaurant in Dallas. So is George Payton and the rest of the Broncos brass, as they're probably going to sip cocktails and have big fat steaks. But before they go to the restaurant, they're probably still digesting the interview they had with Kellen Moore, the Cowboys offensive coordinator. Andrew, you did a deep dive on VDNVR.com into Kellen Moore. You'll tell us what you think about him. As the Broncos' next head coach, potentially. That's next.
0: Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Mazda. A no pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk. Here's Eric and
1: Andrew. Welcome back, Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason, watch us at milehighsports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for what's trending. What's Trending is presented by
0: Optimum Golf. Take your game to the next level this offseason at Denver's best indoor virtual facility in the Park Hill and Rhino neighborhoods. Book your tee time today at
1: theoptimumgolf.com. Okay, base, uh, the Broncos have concluded their interview with Kellen Moore down in Dallas, Cowboys offensive coordinator. What did you learn about him as you did your deep dive on thednvr.com?
2: Well, I mean, first of all, Gonna have to answer some questions about that call on Sunday, but um, I think you don't want to get too don't don't want to get too caught in the recency bias of one bad call. And and I say that kind of to defend Kellen Moore here because every indication is that the scramble call that led to the clock running out uh, it was a call that came that came from the sideline. It wasn't a, a, a check by uh, by Dak Prescott, the line of scrimmage and you look at the big picture on him and yes he's had very good offensive tools including at the quarter including at the quarterback position but i look at games where he didn't have like he, he didn't have all the tools as disposal i look for example at a game plan for the cowboys going into minnesota this past year yep. that allowed them to pull off an upset of Minnesota with Cooper rush at quarterback. I also look at the fact that uh, even in a year in which they played without Dak Prescott for much of the season, the 2020 campaign Dallas still hit 30 points in half of their games. I mean, 30 points is like this is like this unattainable goal for the Broncos, this pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And, You look at Dallas, even even in games when they were without uh, Dak Prescott, they had Andy Dalton. They were still still able to get 30 points uh, multiple times with Andy Dalton starting. And so that's I I look at those more than I look at what happened when all the pieces were in place. And uh, that shows me there is an adaptability uh, with with Kellen Moore. I just don't know if he has the kind of control the room gravitas that you want from a head coach. I think he's still developing that. I don't think he's there.
1: I mean he's 34 years old. Yeah. And it's not to say 34 year old cannot control a room.
2: Sean, McKay. I don't
1: right. I don't know the maturity of the kid. I don't know what type of guy he is and I'm sure that's what George, if I'm George Payton, I'm not even asking him really any questions about what a game plan looks like for him. I already know what a game plan looks like for him and and I think you brought up the best point when Dak Prescott didn't play last year how good was the Cowboys offense
2: it wasn't as good but it wasn't uh, uh, except for there was the one game where they had to throw Ben DiNucci out there where they had I think uh, I think nine points and is they that had, a pasta and, noodle? And, yeah uh, he, from will
1: I'll have the Ben Danucci and the Alfredo sauce. Yeah,
2: it's gonna be. It's probably the Ben Danucci is probably gonna be the name of a dish at an Italian restaurant in Harrisonburg, Virginia, where James Madison University is located. That's where Danucci went. But um, you know they they had a single dish performance with Danucci. They had they had a game where they struggled with Andy Dalton. But in general, but in general, the offense was pretty competent with Andy Dalton. They most the Cowboys struggles in twenty twenty. Even without Prescott, we're more on the defense than the offense, which was part of why they brought in Dan Quinn this past year to fix that D.
1: Right. I guess it, it, here's the thing: I, I've had so many conversations with people today uh, about know. this head coaching search, and you know what? Everybody comes with flaws. Right. You're gonna look at you're gonna look at Dan Quinn and say. Yeah, his clock management You're you're, you're, you're as a head coach. You can look at Kellen Moore and say, well, the guy's only 34 years old. He really hasn't been in the NFL that long. You know, how much is he really going to be able to command a room? Um, I mean, pick a candidate, any candidate. It's like the quarterbacks
2: uh, you, in this year's draft.
1: Right. There's a fatal I mean, flaw in all of them. I mean, I'll, I'll give you something else about Nathaniel Hackett. You know, people say, oh, yeah, he's got to be a West Coast guy. He's not a West Coast guy. That's not his background. His father, Paul Hackett. That was he wasn't a West Coast guy, right?
2: He'd worked in some West Coast schemes.
1: But he wasn't necessarily right. a West Coast guy. He did not run a West Coast offense with Blake Bortles in Jacksonville. No, but he, you- he
2: but he ran one in Kansas City uh in in the 1990s when he was uh he was actually offensive coordinator for the Joe Montana years.
1: I was there. Yes. Exactly. I know that, yeah. but he ran that because it was Joe Montana. And he
2: did work under Bill Walsh for three years too. So, I mean, that, West coast is a huge part of his training, but it it wasn't everything for Paul Hackett. He had his own ideas.
1: Correct. So then you look at Nathaniel Hackett. All right. So it seems like a, a pretty affable guy likes to quote star Wars, you know, fun guy, get all that stuff. And then, then now the argument for him will be, Wow. Look what he did with Blake Bortles. Well, let's dig a little bit deeper. Let's look what he did with Blake Bortles for six games with an outstanding defense. And then essentially with that same offense in terms of players, what did he do the following year? Bubkiss. They were terrible.
2: Yeah, he got fired during the season.
1: Everybody now a lot of people, th-
2: yeah, a lot of people thought he shouldn't have been fired. Like generally speaking, the the reaction around the uh, around the league was one of shock and dismay that Hackett was was scapegoated for that. Mainly you, you, because everybody knew that he was trying to that he was trying to make a gourmet meal at least right. at the quarterback position. With
1: grade D meat. Okay. uh, You put something in the show notes and I love this question. I'm going to answer the question that you asked. How much of Moore's concepts can translate with lesser personnel? Yeah. You know, who's a great offensive coordinator. We, we know this already, but I'll tell you why he's a great offensive coordinator is Kyle Shanahan. Now everybody knows that. And you're going to say, well, Eric, you're stating the obvious. Kyle Shanahan designed an offense in the Rams game in the final game of the regular season and in the Dallas game around not only Jimmy Garoppolo, who's nothing more than a marginal quarterback, but Jimmy Garoppolo with a bad throwing hand. Mm -hmm. That's what great offensive coordinators can do with lesser talent. Great offensive coordinators can say, you know what? I'm going to take my most talented guy on offense, Debo Samuel, and I'm going to make him a running back. Now, if you're telling me Moore has that capability and he has the potential to be a pretty good head coach, sign me up. But a lot of offensive coordinators can only are only as good as the guys that they're given. When Kyle Shanahan sees a roadblock, he finds a way to get around it by putting Debo Samuel in as a running back, constructing a game plan around Jimmy Garoppolo's hand. Not a lot of offensive coordinators can do that. You look at Sean McVay. He didn't really have a great quarterback, if we're being honest, with Jared Goff, despite being a number one pick, but he took him to the Super Bowl. I don't know what Nathaniel Hackett can do. I know what he did with Blake Bortles for six games but that's not an entire season everybody has their flaws and you know what if they didn't have flaws then they'd probably be head coaches already and they'd be longtime head coaches
2: well the other thing is also you have what i call the shanahan kubiak theory which is mike shanahan and assistants kind of connected to him whether it's gary kubiak kyle shanahan sean mcveigh and then kind of the people in their realm generally can get a quarterback one level above their natural norm with other coaches and a I'm great and a great e- and a great example of that in 2018 you had the 49ers they had a middle a mid-tier offense they were ranked 16th in total offense but then i tell you that the quarterback for all, for most of that season was Nick Mullins, who can barely stay in the league And it was still an offense that was better than half the offenses in football. That's Kyle Shanahan.
1: Yeah. I'm going to make a comment that we got to hit a break. And this is a whole nother conversation for as great. and, And this, this would be a talker and we could talk about this tomorrow if you want to, but I'll just throw this out there for as great as Mike Shanahan is as an offensive genius. And he is, and same with his son, Kyle, Neither of them are very good quarterback talent evaluators. As a matter of fact, you could make the case they're maybe a half step above John Hillway.
2: You know what? It's something I've thought a lot, and I feel like it's they they believe in their ability to elevate a quarterback. Yep. And yet, and I think that causes them to bring in passers who are incomplete. And maximize them, but there's a ceiling that gets exposed. And I, and again, I would throw Gary Kubiak in there as well because he's right there in kind of in that core of philosophy. But and here's he pl- probably and, and Kube's probably rode Matt Schaub longer than he should have in Houston, ultimately to his own detriment and demise as a Texans head coach.
1: But let me give you, let me give you two quarterbacks that were tremendously flawed, but tremendously talented. And this is what the Shanahan's cannot overcome. You can't draft a quarterback and never talk to him before you draft him. We know Jay Cutler had talent, but upstairs, not a leader, not well liked Shanahan felt because of the talent I can coach him mm. Cutler wasn't that great of a quarterback considering his talent level. And we'll go into another quarterback right now because he might be on the Broncos roster. Kirk Cousins is talented, but he's not a leader. And both Shanahan's love themselves from Kirk Cousins. They do. And, And you know what? Kirk Cousins has talents and he will throw numbers up in front of you but he doesn't make his teammates better and he doesn't win. That's what I mean by the Shanahan's picked the wrong guys. Mm -hmm. They took Jimmy Garoppolo and Mike worked with him a lot. And Jimmy is limited, right? Right.
2: And and they'll maximize him, but Jimmy, but Jimmy Garoppolo will never do better in his career than he's doing with this core of coaching, which is why, I mean, I guess I'd give it if Mike McDaniel were the Broncos O.C., I'd give him a puncture's chance of having a good season here, but he wouldn't ever elevate.
1: Mike McDaniel?
2: I'm saying like, no, um, I'm saying Garoppolo. You wouldn't be able to elevate him. But I'd I'd say McDaniel with Garoppolo, you'd probably get a good productive season, but not one where he elevated everybody around him.
1: I talked to a former NFL player today. We got to hit a break. I said, who would you rather have, Cousins or Garoppolo? You Nobody know said to me. Neither. I'll take Garoppolo all day over Kirk Cousins because I don't trust uh, Cousins as a leader because mm-hmm. guys don't follow him. Well, that's
2: and that's, yeah. a, that's and that's a great point. And and that's it, Cousins is incredibly talented. Yep. Garoppolo is is not the passer Kirk Cousins is, but at least right. he's a leader. Whereas right. Cousins, I mean, I was talking about it on social media today. I mean, a big part of the reason why things came apart was, uh, frankly. You know him not taking the vaccine and things kind of evolving from there.
1: And, and, and by the way, you know who that's reminiscent of? Garoppolo and Cousins, Plummer and Cutler, yep. same exact guys. <laughs> nice. Coming up after the break is just in case you missed it, Danny. What do we have?
3: An incredible stat that distinguishes the goat from other greats at his position. What is it? That's next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason on Mile High Sports.
0: Goodman and Mason presented by Silter Har Mazda, a no pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wild Card Casino Sports Desk. Here's Eric
1: and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman, Mason. Watch us. Milehighsports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products. Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public. Go to rmfp.com. Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented
0: by Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Greenfield's has everything under one roof, including the best happy hour in town. Two for one wine. Well and drafts from 3 until 7 p.m. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mount High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new
3: store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Just in case you missed it, a very, uh, I don't know if it's shocking, but impressive statistic that I heard about in the last couple days, and then I had to see it with my own eyes to really believe it. Tom Brady now has 35 wins in the playoffs. That's more than Peyton Manning and John Elway combined. They each have 14. Joe Montana is second behind Brady's 35 with 16 playoff wins. Uh, We've talked a lot about on this show about records that will never be broken or seem like they'll never be broken. Is Brady going to be one of those records as he's still adding to that 35 win total in the playoffs?
2: Yes, and even though you have certainly... More teams in the playoffs than ever before. I mean, you're up to now 14 out of 32 league wide. the The numbers he is he's putting up, team accomplishment in particular. If you're talking about QB wins, if that is a stat, I think the only guy who's going to challenge him is Patrick Mahomes, and Mahomes is going to need to make it into into his 40s to be able to I to. Really pushed toward where Tom Brady is today.
1: Mahomes became a full-time quarterback in 2018. Is that right? Yes. Okay. His playoff record is seven and two.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He's got a long way to go. But mm-hmm. I agree. The only guy who could probably catch him is Mahomes.
2: That's bad news for the
3: Broncos.
1: Yes, it the pace is. Pace uh, on. Dan, Danny, anything else?
3: That's all we have time for.
1: Okay. That's but we got to hit a break. All right. That was Mountain High Appliance. Uh, ju- uh, just in case you missed it. Uh, if you are looking for high-end appliances, if you're looking for something to fit your budget, go with Mountain High Appliance. They are absolutely the best in the business at what they do. And their sales staff can help you design an entire kitchen, get you something to fit your budget. Go with somebody who's going to ask the right questions and get you what you want. Mountain High Appliance, you can find them in Louisville, Littleton. You can also find their clearance center in Denver. Coming up after the break, Mark Kisler wrote a great column today about John Elway calling him to let him know that he would like to join an ownership group i want to really dig into this because this really says something to me about how john elway views himself in the denver broncos community right now that's next